Hello and welcome to episode 57 of the BMcast. Not a podcast that puts on a secret GP in the middle of a global pandemic by using Fire Festival as an organizational blueprint and doing the card game equivalent of telling Nintendo that you're stealing their intellectual property to sell trash tier merch and make Magic's very own Dashcon, but the show about playing Magic the Gathering on a budget. I'm out of breath and I'm in a curious state of affairs today as I'm not joined by our usual Triskaidekaphile Emma, but I am here with the Lord of Innistrad himself, Mr. Angelo Guerrera, aka the Jess Guy on Twitter. How are you doing today? Scott, before I want to talk about how I'm doing, I'm just very impressed. First of all, at that intro, incredible, <laughs> incredible lung work. And I also am impressed that I didn't bust out laughing halfway through because that was awesome. Uh, anyway, I'm doing great. Uh, I had a really good week. Uh, I had a surprise three-day weekend. Uh, the company that I work for nice. had to replace their transformer. So we didn't have any power on Friday. So no one could work. So instead, I went home, I played Mass Effect Legendary Edition, I caught up with Jujutsu Kaisen, and so it was a very, very productive day off. Um, nice. Yeah, so, but in terms of magic, I threw together a rough draft of a Jeskai uh, equipment EDH deck with Arden Ooh. and Krom, so that's been pretty fun. And I also had an article come out this week uh, on Driss Du Erden on EDH Rec. So I used the site's 1-1 counter theme page to kind of, you know, tune up that Driss deck with archetypes and archetune up, if you will. And so uh, if you have any interest in Drist or 1-1 counters or any of that stuff, make sure to go check that out. Um, but how about you, Scott? How's everything been? Yeah, yeah, been good. I've been working on a number of decks, mostly tuning more recent ones that I've built. Uh, S.E.R. Narden, which I can proudly say was the, the spark of inspiration for you for this Jeskai equipment deck, I believe. Yeah, Arden uh, is incredible. <laughs> It's so good. Uh, I've also been tuning Lelia the Blade Reforged. She's now at a point where I am very happy with how she performs. Um, yeah. I, I got to see her the other day, and like, yeah. she's, she beat the pants off of all three of us. Yep, yep. You all got to see the bottom of her boot. It was yep. pretty good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I've been messing around with Glacian and Togo to make it a little bit stronger, but flexible as well. Mm-hmm. It's one of those decks where I can bring it to a mid-high sort of table Mm -hmm. and it can perform pretty well but it can also bring it to low power and just do silly stupid stuff (laughs) so you know that's good too um as for content i have an article up this week as well it's one that took a lot of work to put together because i i do this to myself i give myself like this really big broad stupidly massive like multi-piece plan for an article and then just stuff it all into one (laughs) and this one was uh it's how to brew on a budget that's about as broad as you can get i guess yeah so and I thought I was bad with like yeah. five thousand word set reviews, and here you are just like putting a monolithic article together like that. <laughs> I didn't intend for this. I threw the idea out, and my editor was just like, "Yeah, let's go with that." And then I was like, "Oh, what have I done?" <laughs> um. So yes, that is up on Car Kingdom now. You can check that out after the show if you like. And outside of Magic, I'm. Playing away in Final Fantasy XIV, I was mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. It's really chill. I'm not an MMO person at all. Literally, this is the first one I've ever played. And you don't feel like you have to play it constantly. You don't feel like you have to keep up with it. You don't have to blast through the story or anything. And once you get to a certain point with your character, like to a certain level, Mm -hmm. you can switch to a different role. So you can just be like, oh, I'm done being a tank now. I'm just going to be a healer. And then you get to a certain point with that and you're like, I'm just going to be this damage dealing class instead. And you can just keep hopping around. And it's great. That's so, really cool. 
Yeah, it's really, really sweet. You basically just reset back to level one, and then at any given point, you can just switch directly back to where you left off in the other one. Oh, that's and it's, that's even better. <laughs> yeah, it's it's unbelievable. They're, like I'm I'm playing the free trial, mm-hmm. which brings you up to level sixty out of I think eighty levels in total, which is pretty high anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's like fifteen classes or something like that, and you can just play as all of them. Like, wow. there's no limit on, on that, on the free trial. Like, there's literally hundreds and hundreds of hours of content there. Wow. And Jeez. I'm just like, yeah, okay. I'll pay absolutely nothing for entertainment for months on end, sure. <laughs> like, I'm okay with this. But yeah, yeah, it's really good. And when you change over, you mm-hmm. join the guild of that job. Okay. And each guild has, like, a little story quest that you can do. And it's, like, a set of missions mm-hmm. that has, like, a small story arc that huh. lines up with that job and stuff. It's real sweet. Really like it. Right, so for housekeeping this week, we just have one piece here, and that is we have a new member of the Cheering Fanatic tier on our Patreon, and that is Jamie Coyle, a friend of mine over on the Irish Discord server for Magic the Gathering. So thank you very much, Jamie, for your support, and thank you to all of the other patrons over at patreon.com forward slash the BMcast. You're all fantastic. If you enjoy the BM cast and would like to support them, you can become a patron for as little as $3. You'll get access to all of the notes and deck lists they use on the show, and their $7 tier gives you VIP access to the greatest budget resources of any magic podcast. So what are you waiting for? Visit patreon.com forward slash budget magic cast to level up your game and get your stonks on. All right, so before we jump into the meat and bones of the episode, we should probably address the fact Emma is not here at the moment because she is taking a little bit of time off from content. Um, She's been very busy up to her eyeballs with lots of stuff lately. So, Angelo, you've been very good and very kind to step in and be the, as in your own words, the quote-unquote budget Emma for the week. It is I. (laughs) Oi, oi, Gov, I'm budget Emma. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So... (laughs) So, we <laughs> I'm leaving this in. I'm not editing it out. Oh, okay. First of all, Angelo. Yes. It would have been Emma's turn this week for Card of the Week. So, I... that means the default is going to head to you. Yes. What have you got for us? So, my Card of the Week, and this seems to be a trend with cards that I put on here. They're cards that I recently ordered the week before. If, <laughs> if that is any indication about how much I like the cards that I talk about. And so, last week... I ordered four copies of Obscuring Haze. Mm. Obscuring Haze is part of the free spell cycle from Commander 20, and yeah. it is a one-sided fog. It prevents all damage from creatures you don't control for that turn. And if you have your commander, you can cast it for free. And so it's either a fog or a really good combat trick where you can just blow someone out on attacks mm. because you're preventing damage to all your creatures. You can set up really good blocks for yourself and just, you know, eat your opponent's creatures. That way you don't need to worry about them next turn. Or you just go, all right, cool, it's a fog, and then I kill you on the crackback. It's really good. A lot of people undervalue fogs when they aren't, you know, constant mists because that card is obnoxious. But I think Obscuring Haze is like one level right below constant mists where it just, anything free, anything free is very powerful, especially when it can turn the tide of a game like that. 
for sure. Yeah, it's absolutely sick. I think we brought this up at some point on Twitter, like a couple of months back, because mm-hmm. I remember seeing the, the price, and it, w- it was then still around a dollar, and we were like, how? Like, yeah. I don't understand. It's a free spell, it's a fog, and not even that one side of fog, like you said. Mm-hmm. You can ruin people's day with this. Yeah. Uh, all of the other free spells are $10 at the lowest. Mm. All of them are above 10 and I don't see how this card's only a dollar. It, it swings games just as wildly as the other ones do. Yeah, hard agree. So, that was the card of the week. Now, on to the main topic of this week's episode. This one was chosen by yourself, Angelo. Yes. Because this is a topic that, to be honest, we've talked so much about budget, both yourself and myself, that I'm surprised we haven't approached this in such a specific fashion before. Mm-hmm. And that is budget commander side grades yes so my thinking with this was right now edh prices are still kind of out of control there are a lot of Mm. cards that have just jumped up over the past few years even though there have been multiple reprints of things uh just you know because of the pandemic and, and a lot of other factors but what about, you know, budget options for them? And now, and something that I, I want to mention too is budget is subjective. And so, yes, while we're going to be listing at times some expensive cards, they're not going to be as expensive as the original card that we're talking about. And that's something, that's something important to mention that everyone has a different budget. And, you know, maybe you don't want to spend $50 on one card, but you can afford 25 if you want a really good effect. So we're going to go over those. We're not going to stick to, you know, sub $1 cards. We're going to go through all of the effects for different prices for different budgets. And yep. what I did was I went through EDH Rec. I uh, looked at the top 100 most played cards. And for the most part, that's how I got the majority of this list. I was looking through and I was like, well, what cards have comparable comparisons that, you know, can feasibly be subbed in? What would I be comfortable playing instead of these cards if I didn't already have them. And so mm-hmm. uh, all of the prices are pulled from MTG Goldfish, and so mm-hmm. that, that's how we're going to be doing that. We're looking at EDH Rec, and we're looking at Goldfish, and that is the context for all of this. Sweet. Sounds great. In that case, why don't you kick us off with the first one? Yeah, so first one, Finale of Devastation. Uh, oh, I don't know if anyone has been keeping tabs on this card, but it's up to $50. Jesus. Yeah. So... Uh, Finale of Devastation, it's a big ol' sorcery for more of the spark. So for X and 2 green, you get to search your library and or graveyard for a creature card with CMC, uh, I'm sorry, hold on, mana value, Ooh. X or less, and put it onto the battlefield. If you search your library this way, shuffle it, and then if X is 10 or more, creatures you control get plus X plus X and gain haste until the end of the turn. So it become, it's a creature tutor that can become a big ol' overrun later in the game. And... So the suggestions in this category are split up into two sections because no other card does those two effects on a single spell. Yeah. So the two separate sections, we have Creature Tutors and Overrun effects. Mm-hmm. And so for Creature Tutors, we have Green Sun Zenith, uh, which is X and a green, and you get to look through your deck for a creature and put it into play. Mm-hmm. And that is $26 right now, which yeah. is very expensive still. But it is half the price of Finale of Devastation. Yeah. Similarly, Natural Order just got a reprint in the Strixhaven Mystical Archives. Um, that's a four-mana sorcery. You sack a green creature. You get to look through your deck for a green creature, put it into play. Uh, that's $10. Mm-hmm. Court of Calling is 6 
Uh, it's uh, another creature tutor, instant speed, uh, X and three green, and it has Convoke, so you can tap your creatures to cast it, and you go look through your deck for a creature, CMC, X or less, put it into play. Ecological Appreciation, also from Strixhaven. It's X and three mana, and you get to look through your deck for four cards with CMC, X or less, uh, or your graveyard too. And... Your opponent picks two of them. You get them into play. The others go into your deck. Great in like Enchantress builds. That's where I love that. And uh, Uncage yeah. the Menagerie, which is X and two green. You get to look through your deck for X creatures with CMC X, and you get to put all of them into your hand. Yeah. All five of those cards, there were a lot of them, all five of those cards you can buy for the same price as Finale of Devastation. Natural Order was 10, Court of Calling was 6. And then the last two are $1.50 each. You can buy all of them for the same price as Finale of Devastation. And, and that's what I wanted to talk about with budget stuff. You can get five cards for the price of one. If you have $50, why not get multiple of those effects if you want them? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's that's a great thing to do. Because even if you have the budget for Finale of Devastation, like you're sitting there with $50 being like, I can get Finale. Maybe you might just be better off with Green Sun Zenith, Natural Order, Court of Calling, Ecological Appreciation, and Uncase Menagerie <laughs> all together because they're pretty close in effect when it comes to creature tutors. You could put them all into five different decks or you could put all five into the one deck and make it like unbelievably consistent. Yep. That's an option too, you know? So even if you do have the money for the main card, mm-hmm. like it's not like these are a degree of power worse that they're not worth considering anyway. Correct. And, and the thing yeah. is too is that the only time that you're getting, like, the overrun effect on Finale is when you put 12 mana into it. If you're anything below that, it is just a creature tutor. So why not, you know, if you don't need that exact card, save yourself some money or get multiple of them. That way you can put them in multiple different green decks. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that said, if you are looking for an overrun effect, and no, I'm not going to list overrun and I'm not going to list overwhelming stampede because that would be too easy... (laughs) If you need overrun effects, I got three for you. So the first one is Earthshaker Giant. It's a 6-6 for 6 with Trample. When it enters the battlefield, other creatures you control get plus 3, plus 3, and Trample till the end of the turn. Yeah, it's an overrun, but it's on a creature. You can blink it in a rune. You can uh, you know, bring it in and out of the graveyard and graveyard decks. So you can reuse the body to get multiple overrun effects in a single turn. Thunderfoot Bailoth is a 5-5 five, five for 7 with Trample. And it has Lieutenant. So as long as you also control your commander, Thunderfoot Bailoth gets plus two, plus two, and other creatures you control get plus two, plus two, and trample. Yeah. And then Siege Behemoth is a 7-4 for seven with Hexproof, and as long as Siege Behemoth is attacking, each creature you control gets to deal their combat damage directly to the player as if they weren't blocked. So it just makes all your guys unblockable, and you you just go right through everyone. All of these effects are great if you want the overrun portion of Finale of Devastation, if that's what you're in the market for. And uh, Giant is $4, Bailoth is $4, and Behemoth is 2 So all of those, again, incredibly affordable when compared to Finale. Yes. And on top of that, they can all be tutored with the likes of Court of Calling and stuff as well. So you yep. could actually get some combination of these cards and put them all into the one deck and have similar effects but also additional flexibility. I actually just thought of another one that mm-hmm. I love to put into my decks because, well, it's super cheap and it always feels great to cast. And that is the Mini Crater Hoof, which is Endraise Forerunners. Yes. I forgot a about whole, that one. 
a whole 50 cents yeah. for an 8 mana 7 7 with Vigilance, Trample, and Haste. And when it enters the battlefield, other creatures you get plus 2 plus 2 and Vigilance and Trample until end of turn. So it doesn't give Haste, but it gives Vigilance and Trample and a, and a buff. So it's still pretty good. Yeah. Highly recommend that. Um, you said that Decimator of the Provinces, another mini Crater Hoof, yeah. it has a merge, so it can come out cheaper. And uh, it's a big old 7-7, seven, seven, and all your creatures get plus 2, plus 2, and trample till the end of the turn, and it has trample and haste. So that, there you go, two more. Bam. They're both around, you know, a buck or two. I mean, for Endrace Forerunners, you said they were 50 cents. So they, yep. bam, two more. More bang for your buck. Look at us go. There you go. There you are. <laughs> Okay, so we're not just here to talk about Finale of Devastation as nope. much as we have great options for it. What would be another one that would be on the, the list of some of the more played cards that we need to, to find budget alternatives for? So, Enlightened Tutor sticks out recently. Oh. It, it's anywhere between 45 and $50, depending on which version that you want. Uh, and so Enlightened Tutor is a one-mana instant, and you get to look through your deck for an artifact or an enchantment, and you put it on top of your deck. Uh, very powerful, very versatile, much like with Finale of Devastation, it's a card that does two different things, and not in a way that other cards do them. Yeah. And so, like, down here, we're going to talk about cards that either tutor up enchantments or artifacts, you know, in, in, in these colors as much as we can, because no other card does that. No other card has the versatility and the power that Enlightened Tutor does. That's it. Yeah. yeah. But to, to start off, if you're in an equipment and or an aura deck, open the armory is 50 cents, and that's a two-mana sorcery. You tutor for an equipment or an aura out of your deck, and you put it into your hand. If you're in that style of deck, it's the same thing for one more mana. And so 50 cents compared to 50 bucks, I will take 50 cents all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, now we get into enchantment tutors. Uh, White has a handful of those now. We have Idyllic Tutor, which is a three-mana tutor that looks for an enchantment, puts into your hand. Uh, recently reprinted in Theros Beyond Death, where it went down to $2, and now it's up to four fifty. So it's still affordable, but if you need yours, get them now, because they're only going up because of how good and how yeah. popular they are. Uh, we just got Moonbless Cleric in Adventures in the Forgotten Realms. I really like this one, yeah. Yeah, th this one's really good. It's a three-mana human elf cleric, and when it enters the battlefield, you look for an enchantment, and you put it on top of your deck. So it's a it's a mix between idyllic and enlightened tutor, but it's also on a body. You can either blink it, reanimate it, do whatever you want with it. It's just a really good card, even though again it puts it on top of your deck. You know, and we don't want that, but enlightened tutor does it. You know, and then also we have Heliod's Pilgrim. If you're in an Aura's deck, similar to how we were talking about, open the armory. It's a three mana card. You look through your deck for an aura and you put it into your hand. Same thing. You don't need to spend $50. This one's 30 cents. That's it. And the fact that this one goes to your hand as well and yep. can be flickered, like, it's fantastic. Like, this often is put into decks that aren't budget as well because, say, like, if you were to look at some, like, higher power Siona, Captain of the Pileus, like, to go and yep. get the, what's the name of the aura? That um, Shield of Faith, is it? Yeah, yep, that goes infinite yeah. with her. Exactly, yeah. Yep. And that, this just tutors it right to your hand and has a creature that you can put it onto if you want to. Yep. The Helios Pilgrim has been around for so long and is still really, really good. Yeah, it, yeah. it's solid. It's a very good card. Um, and so now we've gone through the enchantment stuff. Now we're on to artifacts. Here's where we get a little hazy because back in the day, White 
could tutor up artifacts. They could just, like, any artifact, not just equipment. Mm -hmm. You can't really do that nowadays. And so a lot of these cards, and on this list, I've tried to keep them in color. Because to me, when I'm listening to a podcast, there's nothing more frustrating than being like, okay, here's this mono-white card, and here's a green-white card that's a substitute. It's like, well, I'm not in green-white, I'm in mono-white. Yeah, absolutely. In this section, I can't do that. We don't get straight-up artifact tutors in white anymore, so I had to branch out to blue, but we'll get to them. The first card is Inventor's Fair. Uh, that's a land that, uh, if you have metal craft, you gain a life at the beginning of your turn. It can tutor up for an artifact if you have metal craft. Uh, that's $8, which is kind of pricey, but it's a nice, cheap tutor that's also a land. It can sit around uh, in the early game, make you some mana, maybe gain you some life, and then pop later to grab whatever you need. Yep. Fabricate is 7 bucks. That's a 3-mana uh, sorcery. It's in blue, and you get to look through your deck for any artifact and put it into your hand. It's comparable to an idyllic tutor, but it's in blue, and that's the only catch. You need to be in blue-white or blue-white X to be able to play either Enlightened Tutor and Fabricate, you know, anything like that. So you're going to need to stretch your colors a bit thin that way. Oswald Fiddlebender just came out in Adventures in the Forgotten Realms. He's a two-mana 2-2. Two -two. And he's a birthing pod for artifacts, so you can sack an artifact and look for one in your deck that's one more than that. But the caveat is you need your deck built in a way to take advantage of that. So while he can look for any artifact, he has a restriction unlike Enlightened Tutor. And then finally, we have all of the mages. We have... Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, your favorites. <laughs> we have Trinket, Tribute, Trophy, and Treasure Mage... All of them are under a dollar, but they're all in blue. They all look up artifacts at different CMCs, but they're all in blue. So you need to be in two colors, which, again, is the only drawback to stuff like this. Blue can tutor up artifacts super easy. White doesn't get that anymore. So if you want consistency in your deck, you're going to need to be in two colors for them. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate, but, you know, yeah. adding a better color to your deck turns out sometimes is a good idea <laughs> blue is the best you are correct it's yeah <laughs> there's there's no emma here to tell us what to say oh my god oh you're so right ah, we can say what we want yes uh dobin's veto is the best right scott oh whoa hold on oh okay never mind For anyway lead it lead us For into Commander, some counter spells scott yeah you know what yeah all right so here's the thing fierce guardianship is another one that is absurd in terms of price at the moment it is currently sitting at around 42 dollars 40 to 42 dollars and it's crazy like now to be fair another free spell and it was part of the cycle that your card of the week was a part of which is from the Ikoria commander decks and first guardianship is two and a blue for an instant that says if you control a commander you may cast a spell without paying its mana cost and you counter target non-creature spell so it's free negate basically yep so there are a number of ways to replace this um the easiest one is probably uh favorite of yours at uh, negate yeah just play so. negate it's two mana it's easily splashable it counters everything but creatures just play negate if you're in blue please it's so yeah. good it's very very good i can't disagree at all it's a classic for sure um if you still want to keep the free side of it 
thankfully you can actually still do that on a budget with two cards in particular there's foil which is four mana counter spell but you can choose to return two islands to your hand rather than pay its mana cost to counter the spell and thwart is basically the same thing except you have to return three islands now that is definitely a drawback but there are some decks that can you know help you recoup quite handily with it and to be honest foil i run foil in most of my blue decks most of my blue heavy decks at least because sometimes you can just pay the four mana and you're happy to do that and then sometimes you're like i really need to push all this stuff onto the board but then make sure it's not going to get blown up and the foil is there for you so yeah it is worth it is worth including this one is a little bit more situational in that you don't necessarily want it in every blue deck Mm -hmm. but the decks that it goes into it is oh it's gross it's disgusting yep and that is stubborn denial a favorite of mine i love it i love it i have it in i have it in octavia because yep obviously (laughs) correct (laughs) you know pretty much the thing if you can reliably have a creature with four power or more put it in there like i have it in niv mizzet because Nivmus is just like one mana counter spell. Thank you very much. Yeah. And that kind of thing is really good. Arcanes and Nile mm-hmm. is another classic. It's one of the... I, to me, when I think of counter spells in Commander, I think Arcanes and Nile. Because it's one of the less feel-bad ones. Because you're like, no, you can't have that. But you know what? You, you get a divination instead. How's that? Mm. I don't so, know. See, you, you're like, oh, it doesn't feel too bad. But me, I'm like... Yeah, I countered your spell. You should feel bad, but I, I, I know what you mean. You're, <laughs> I'm a control player. My bad. Um, it's <laughs> don't give me that look. Okay. I, th- I think yeah. So so we're 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 two very different players because I have a tendency to want to do silly dumb stuff, mm. and if I want to do the silly dumb stuff, I have to try and keep my opponent sweet. Like if I countered Angelo's spell, for example, I'd be like, "Don't worry, though, baby." I give you these two cards instead. It's okay. It's fine. Anyway, on top. I'm going to go off now. Uh, <laughs> and see, if I countered your spell, I'd be like, just get better, dude. Come on. <laughs> get good, scrub? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the final one. You've put this down here. This is a card I basically forgot existed. Yep. Admiral's Order. It's a cancel. It's three mana counter spell. Um, but it has raid. So if you attacked with a creature this turn, uh, it costs one blue. So again, one mana hard counter spell can be really good in more attack heavy decks like Tetsuko, Umazawa, or Anuan the Ruin Thief, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, really, really good. Yeah, I, I tend to see that there are more blue decks than not nowadays that are a bit more attacky, whether they are mm. equipment decks or or Talrand decks, because even if Talrand wants to be controlly, he's getting all the drakes and he's going to be swinging in the air. Anything. Anything anyone can do to interact on your turn, just having a one-mana way to say no, like Stubborn Denial, mm. is very good, especially if you can get rid of anything. If someone goes, oh, settle the wreckage. It's like, well, <laughs> no. One blue <laughs> Admiral's Order now. Um, so yeah. it, it kind of becomes either a cancel, which isn't that great, or a second copy of Summer Denial, which I think is awesome. If you're going to be running yeah. Summer Denial, and if you're aggressive and you're playing creatures... Why not run both? Yep, for sure. And speaking of getting aggressive and wanting to sort of protect stuff, there's another card, surprise, surprise, from the same Akoria free spell cycle called Deflecting Swat. Deflecting Swat is currently up at $33, and it has the same line of text. If you control a commander, you may cast a spell without paying its mana cost. You may choose new targets for target spell or ability. So 
there's only one real adequate replacement for this, and again, it's situational in exactly the same way as Stubborn Denial, and that is Bolt Bend. Yep. So it's four mana to redirect a spell or ability, or one mana if you have a creature with power four or greater. It's real good. This is one of my yep. favorite spells. So powerful. Yeah. If you're if you're in red, de- if you're if you are one of the people building all of those dragon decks on EDH rec right now, <laughs> just put Bolt Bend in your deck if you don't have access to blue. It's the same thing as a counter spell, and it saves one of your precious scaly little boys. I would argue it's better than a counter spell because it doesn't get rid of the spell; That's it just fair. turns it to your favor. Yeah. <laughs> and outside of that, then you've you've got stuff like Wild Ricochet, which is like four mana to do a redirect. You got Reiterate, which does the same thing, but with buyback. Yep. That's three dollars. That is pretty good because you can use that to combo and stuff as well sometimes. Yeah. And then Dual Caster Mage doesn't get rid of the spell; it copies it, but it helps you to get some sort of value and generally speaking it is a little more usable in that sense like it has more utility than just protecting a creature it's not necessarily going to protect the creature from a removal spell for example but you'll be able to flash it in and and get a copy of something and and kill another creature or you can copy a really powerful spell that your opponent's casting that i don't know someone casts like peer into the abyss (laughs) or something and you're just like no i'll take half my library thank you very much you know yeah, that kind of thing is is good. I I, I think the sixty card players call that tempo. Mm, something like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm, I wouldn't know anything about that. <laughs> so yeah, there's there's a number of alternatives for things like the free spells. You just either have to accept that they're going to have bigger drawbacks for being free, or that they're not going to do exactly the same thing. But yeah, they're comparable. To be fair, if you're going to be paying like. One percent of the actual cost of the card. I, I I think that's a reasonable trade-off. Yeah, I I'd argue that these free spells shouldn't even exist, but that's a topic for another time. So don't get <laughs> too discouraged when you need to play, you know, slightly budget versions of them because those cards are good. They've been good up until now. Still keep playing them if you need to. Yeah, actually, I have a neat little finance tip for you when it comes to these free spells you were saying that they shouldn't even exist and you shouldn't really feel bad for not having them or anything like that and that is 100% true and in fact what I recommend is that you buy either of the two decks that these free spells come in because Mm -hmm. they're very very close to the price of the actual deck itself Yep. if not more expensive than the deck in some cases then you sell that card and then you have 99 cards out of a hundred of a precon that you basically paid no money for. Oh, see, I was going the other way. I was like, yeah, you buy the deck, keep the card, and to sell the rest to inco- to recoup your investment. But well, yeah, that, that too, works too. But, <laughs> yeah, but but this way you basically get a precon for essentially pennies, and yep. then you have the money to just go and do it with like the other one that you didn't buy. You know, yep. say like you go and get the the cycling one. You can go and get the the other one, the, the attacky stormy boy, I've forgotten his name. Calmax. Um, ah, Calamax, yes, there you go. Attacky so yeah, you can do that too. boy. How have you attacky not built Calamax? You are literally because attacky stormy boy, the person. Because it feels too on the nose. I'm, <laughs> I gotta be honest, it feels too on the nose. <laughs> Alright, that's fair. Yeah. Anyway, tell me about Teferi's Protection. Alright, got it. Teferi's Protection. <laughs> Uh, Teferi's Protection is a 3-mana instant. 
and it says, until your next turn, your life total can't change, and you have protection from everything. All permanents mm -hmm. you control phase out, and you exile to fairy's protection. Mm -hmm. So, the way that Teferi's protection works is that it's either protecting your creatures or it's protecting you from dying. And mm -hmm. so, as such, we have two different sections in this uh, list for those things, kind of like with Finale of Devastation. So if you're an aggro deck, we have five options for you to make sure that your board doesn't get blown out. We have Flawless Maneuver, which is part of the same cycle that we've just been complaining about. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a free make-your-team-indestructible spell. We have a Chroma's Will from Commander Legends, which mm. if your commander's out, you give them a million keywords. I'm not going to list them all here. That's going to take too long. Uh, <laughs> you, can, you can use that to kill players or protect your board. We have Guardian of Faith. Uh, that's from AFR. Phases out your board when it comes in and it has flash. We have Unbreakable Formation, which is a three-mana instant from ooh, Guilds of Ravnica. Ravnica Allegiance? Ravnica Allegiance, that's it. Yeah. And it can either save your board or put, you know, 1-1 one, one counters on them and make them indestructible. And then make a stand from BFZ, where all your creatures get plus one plus oh and indestructible till the end of the turn. Mm -hmm. Flawless Maneuver is 10. Acroma's Will is 5. Guardian of Faith is 3. Unbreakable Formation is 1. And then Make a Stand is 25 cents. All 5 of those are cheaper than Teferi's Protection. Because Teferi's Protection is 30 bucks right now. All 5 of those are also really good. Like, yeah. every single one of them is fantastic in their own right. Yeah. I play all of them, except maybe Make a Stand. But that's because I have a Teferi's Protection. Yeah. And then... Uh, for a fog effect, because sometimes people just use it as a fog, we have mm -hmm. Dawn Charm and Repel the Abominable. Dawn Charm uh, was Scott's suggestion. Really versatile instant that you can prevent all combat damage this turn. You can regenerate a creature or counter a spell that targets you, which is mm -hmm. awesome in white. And then Repel the Abominable is a favorite fog of mine. Uh, it's two mana instant. And it says, prevent all damage that would be dealt this turn by non-human sources. And the reason why it's important is because a lot of fogs say, prevent all combat damage. Yes. This prevents anything. So if someone goes Aetherflux Reservoir you for 50, and they have a way to keep looping it, you just go, uh, no, I'm going to prevent all damage that would be dealt this turn. Mm -hmm. Or if someone was to, you know, I don't know, play a Direfly Daredevil and steal a Crackle with power from the bin. Yeah, and, who would do you that? Know, dome everyone for like 40. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I have no idea who would do such a thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, enough about how I lost the game. Uh, I, I think Repel the Abominable is not looked at enough, but the way that it's worded mm -hmm. is relevant in very niche situations. Very much so. I'm currently toying around with the idea of building a Sunforger deck, and I think I might want to actually put that in there. Yeah. It looks really cool. It's a good piece to be able to tutor out. For sure. Now, there are some things that I'm very happy are very cheap in Commander, and a lot of them are like card draw things, right? Yeah. So say like, you look at some card draw spells like, say like Biden of Tassa isn't too expensive, you know, no. Factor Fiction not too expensive. Nope. There's There's a lot of good card draw stuff that doesn't cost a lot but then there are some like phyrexian arena which is now somehow twenty dollars yeah or knight's whisper which is seven but that's another topic for another time i'll, I'll direct you all to my rant on that uh, a month or two ago <laughs> on twitter yeah yeah so phyrexian arena like okay so 
Phyrexian Arena, for those that don't know, one black black for an enchantment. At the beginning of your upkeep, you draw a card and lose one life. So, essentially, losing one life in Commander just doesn't matter at all. It This essentially says, yep. draw an extra card a turn. Yeah. Basically. Which is really, really powerful, but, like, $20 powerful? I don't think so. Nah. I really don't think so. There are some good replacements, one of which, actually, hilariously, just came out in AF4, which is Eye of Vecna, yep. which is two mana for a legendary artifact, and it says when it enters the battlefield, you draw a card and you lose two life. And then at the beginning of your upkeep, you may pay two, and if you do, you draw a card and you lose two life. Now, you're paying less for it up front, you're paying more for it for the card draw afterwards, but it's still pretty good. And the thing to take away from this here as well is it's colorless. This goes in any deck. It does not matter. That's a huge, huge difference. If you want to stay in black, there's a really good one with Underworld Connections. Now, it's a little different. It is still an enchantment. It's still three mana, but it's an aura that enchants a land. And basically, you tap that land to be able to draw a card and lose a life. Now, there are a couple of things that you can do with this that you can't do with Phyrexian Arena. Like, you can do things that will untap lands. And then you can do it more than once, which is quite neat. As far as this goes, this does technically put a mana restriction on you. Because you are technically down that land if you keep tapping that to draw every turn instead of tapping it for mana. Yeah. But at 50 cents... It's it's a worthy trade-off. Yeah, not only that, but you can choose to stop tapping the land for Underworld Connections, yeah. whereas Phyrexian Arena will not stop. You will always lose that life. You will always draw that card, and sometimes you don't want to do that. So that downside can sometimes actually be an upside. Yeah. And then one final card for Phyrexian Arena as a replacement is one that's been around for a very long time and was quite expensive for a time, but is now pennies, and that is Greed. Yeah. It is 15 cents. It's a four mana enchantment, so it's a little bit more, but it reads one black mana and pay two life to draw a card. Now, it costs more to cast. It costs more to draw a card. But the great thing here is that you can very easily pump a load of mana into this, pay a load of life, draw a bunch of cards all in one turn. Like, you're not just getting that extra one a turn. If you have, like, five mana at the end of your turn and you want to really try and make sure that the next turn is going to be the turn you win, you could just throw ten life and five mana into this and totally stock up your hand, untap and go to town. So... It, it, you're telling me that it's better than Necropotence? Maybe. No, wait, hold on. No, that was a joke. <laughs> Slow that down. Hold on. Cut that. So, okay, okay. The the thing that we haven't talked about when it comes to Necropotence there is the price. How much is Necropotence again? What, oh, like $40 or something? I, I think so. Yeah. I'm going to take a random coin out of my pocket and guaranteed pay for this card. Yep. That's correct. <laughs> You're not wrong. So, yeah. Like, Phyrexian Arena is real good and there's no exact alternative, but... The alternatives are very, very good, and in some circumstances can just be better as well. Yeah. All right. So, keeping on the card draw train, we're in Mm. green this time. Guardian Project is $12. And what Guardian Project is, is a four mana uh, green enchantment that says, whenever a creature enters the battle, or I'm sorry, whenever a non-token creature enters the battlefield under your control... If it doesn't have the same name as another creature you control or a creature in your graveyard, draw a card. Mm-hmm. That's an easy way of saying an EDH, when creatures enter the battlefield, draw a card. And so that's $12. It's a very strong effect. It's very good in blink decks. But $12 is a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, Alternatively, we have cards like Beast Whisperer, uh, which came out either in the same set or the set before Guardian Project. 
uh, which is a four mana elf. Uh, it's a two three, and whenever you cast a creature spell, you draw a card. Uh, Beast Whisperer has gotten a handful of reprints, unlike Guardian Project, which is why mm. Beast Whisperer is two dollars and Project is twelve. Um, yeah. We also have Primordial Sage, which is slightly bigger. It's a four five for six, and whenever you cast a creature spell, you may draw a card. So that's quite good if you want a big creature. And then we also have Soul of the Harvest, which is a 6-mana six 6-6 six, six with Trample. Whenever a non-token creature enters the battlefield under your control, you may draw a card. All of these are very comparable. All of them are $2, and you can get all of them for half the price of Guardian Project. Yeah, absolutely. Now, they do, to be fair, die to removal a little easier, yep. but... If you have three of them, they need three removal spells to kill them. This is a very good point. Uh, I, I think the main distinction to point out here is that the first two there are on cast and the other one, the Primordial or the Soul of the Harvest, yes. is on uh, ETB. Correct. So Guardian Project is ETB. So for Flicker and Blink decks and stuff, Soul of the Harvest would definitely be better. But that doesn't mean that the likes of Beast Whisper and Primordial Sage wouldn't still just be decent anyway in the majority of decks. Because yeah. most decks, you're just casting creatures and you're going to turn all of them into a cantrip which is pretty yep. sweet when, when when your creatures draw you cards and those cards are more creatures you just get to start chaining them together and you just leave your opponents in the dust yeah speaking of leaving opponents in the dust ooh, that's a good one getting some booties on these feats <laughs> we're talking about lightning greaves lightning greaves everybody knows it. it's a two mana artifact it's an equipment it gives haste and shroud and it has equip zero six dollars it has been printed a lot, but $6 is a lot. Like, I, I know a lot of people could look at a $6 card and be like, ah, that's not too bad. But what if every card in your deck is $6? Now suddenly your commander deck is like four or $500 and you're yep. like, this is no longer budget. So there are definitely like cheaper equivalents. Like, for example, you know, Swiftfoot Boots is often used in place of Lightning Greaves because it's less than half the price. At $2, you have... Like, Sword of Vengeance, which will also give the haste part, if that's the part you're looking for. Um, and same with, like, Haunted Cloak, even. is a three-mana equipment that has Equip 1 and just gives Vigilance, Trample, and Haste. And, like, that's fine, too. Yeah. If you really need to make sure it's protected, you can use... Well, Mirror Shield is a personal favorite. I really like that. I just picked <laughs> a ton of them out from, from Theros Beyond Death. Yep. Two-mana gives plus O, plus two, and Hexproof. And also... Let me see if I can remember it off the top of my head. If this creature blocks or is blocked by a creature with death touch, destroy that creature. I think Ooh, it is. Ooh, look at you go. Look at look at that little trinket text that you remembered. Yeah. There you go. So it's it's very occasionally slightly better, sort of. Like if you don't care about haste, in my opinion, Mirror Shield is like one of the better ones because yeah. it also gives a toughness boost. So if yeah. you're playing against red decks that rely on damage by sweepers. It, like I run this in my Sir Conrad deck because Sir Conrad doesn't really care about getting haste or not, but he cares about like you know if someone plays like an air of devastation. He's like ah, I don't care, I'll stay around and I'll watch all of these die. Yep. So yeah. Um, other options like Mask of Avison, another one. It's just a little more expensive to equip and it has a parent toughness boost as well. Angelo, I'm going to let you talk about this one because I know you're you're quite excited about this. I love winged boots. That mm -hmm. card is so good. And, and Scott, you can verify that Ward 3 is good because you've been playing Essior. Yes. 
and Word of Three almost feels like hexproof. That's th those were your words to me. What happens with Ward kind of things like that is yep. that your opponents don't want to target your stuff because it'll take them all of their like turn four to just sword something, and knowing that you're just gonna play it again the next turn. Like, it's so demoralizing, it's probably worse than Hexproof, in my opinion, because you feel like you have to do it, but you really don't want to. Whereas with Hexproof, you just know you can't, so you just accept your fate. It's fine. Mm -hmm. You know, it feels much worse to know that you're going to get heavily taxed on having to deal with this stuff. So in my opinion, it's actually better than Hexproof. Yeah. And, and, so that's Ward 3. That's with Essior. Mm -hmm. Well, Ward 3. Quote, unquote, Ward. Yeah. Winged Boots has Ward 4 and gives Flying. It's a 2-mana equipment, and it costs 1 to equip. Card is bonkers. Any Voltron kind of deck wants this card, whether you're an Aura deck or an Equipment deck. If you, Even if you just want your commander to be protected, Ward mm -hmm. 4 is so much. Just play Winged Boots. It just came out in the Commander deck. It's 75 cents. Pick up a couple copies. I, I picked up a couple copies. I would suggest you do the same. Yeah. I would not be surprised if in two years' time this is like a $5 card. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah. It's very trade, trade haste for flying, and Ward 4 is really good. Mm -hmm. For sure. One thing that you may have noticed as a trend, and we kind of hinted at it several times here so far, is that some cards are expensive because they're the best of what they do, obviously. Yep. But others are expensive because they're the only card that provides that effect in those colors. You know, and another good example of this is Heroic Intervention. You know, yep. two mana, instant, permanence you control, get Hexproof and Indestructible until end of turn. There's no other card that's even remotely close to that in green. The nearest thing that I could find, the nearest analog, is <laughs> Blinding Fog, which is a three mana fog from Ixalan that reads, uh, Prevent all damage that would be dealt to creatures this turn, and creatures you control gain Hexproof until end of turn. So... It's really bizarre in that, like, if your opponent has a damage-based removal, then, sure, I guess it kind of works. Sort of like indestructible, kind of. Yep. And if they have targeted stuff, you can protect your creatures. It doesn't protect permanents, so enchantments or artifacts or lands aren't safe, planeswalkers aren't safe, none of that stuff. It's just, it's not even remotely close. And that's very unfortunate because, you know, we want to be able to try and find budget versions of everything but they don't always exist and this is one of those examples now nine dollars isn't break the bank kind of thing but it can be for some people you yeah. don't want to necessarily be spending that kind of money on cards if you don't have to yeah and the the closest thing so so you covered the the hexproof portion with blinding fog the closest thing that i could find to creature protection is something like golgari charm which is in two colors where you just yeah. regenerate each creature you control Mm -hmm. and that while it's good now you need to be in two colors it's awesome but what if i'm in mono green what what if i want the same kind of oh hold on Whoop. rewinding wrap in vigor mono green regenerate each creature you control just found that bad boy but regenerate is still not as good as indestructible yeah. because if someone wrath of gods or damnations or winds of wrath or any of those weird board wipes that just have the can't be regenerated rider on it you still get blown out yeah yeah absolutely there's just no real good replacement for it you know you just no. have to 
deal suck it with up. the fact that you either yeah you either suck it up and buy it or just accept that you're not going to have it in your deck like for example my Jol Rail Monvuli Recluse Mono Green Creatures and Cantrips deck doesn't have a heroic intervention in it not because I don't think it needs it it definitely does need it because getting hit with a board wipe in that deck is backbreaking but it's just it's nine dollars that I'm just not willing to throw into a card in a deck that I pull out once every two months maybe you know yeah so um, yeah, and there are other cards that are like this as well. Like, for example, Spellseeker. <laughs> I'm I'm raging at myself. I didn't think about holding on to my Spellseeker when I opened it in Battlebond. Wait, you of all people didn't keep a Spellseeker? I know, right? Scott. I was like, ah, oh, I don't need this. No, you know what actually happened? You know what happened? At the time, I didn't really play that much Commander. And I had built a Canlander deck to try out Canlander. Now, Canlander just isn't really my thing. Mm-hmm. Not wild on it. It's fine. But that's about it. And it's really popular in there. It's pointed in Canlander, I believe, last time I checked. And yeah, so I was like, well, I'm not playing Canlander anymore, so I'll just sell it. It's fine. And like, it was like four or five dollars at the time. Oh, and no. I feel like an idiot. I just feel like an absolute okay. idiot. Well, well, Scott, do I have news for you? You <laughs> can get Mystical Tutor for $20 instead of $28. is not that a great deal? It's a deal, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> But really, though, there is one replacement, sort of, and that is solve the equation to three mana search for an instant or sorcery and put it into your hand from Strixhaven. Now, it's pretty good, to be honest. In, in a lot of circumstances, it's better than Spellseeker because it gets you any instant and any sorcery. It doesn't have the mana value restriction that Spellseeker has. However, it's also not a creature, so you can't blink it, you can't unearth it, you can't do silly shenanigans with it, you can't copy it. Uh, with creature clones and all sorts of stuff so it does have downsides and it's not quite the same but it's still pretty good and that's four dollars and by the way this is a card that at the time when we were talking about it first on this cast um it was 50 cents so just saying i told you pick these up and (laughs) i hope you all listened i hope out there i hope you listened so uh another card is recruiter of the guard it's a three mana two two and when it enters the battlefield, you get to look through your deck for a creature with toughness, two or less, and put it into your hand. It's the opposite to Imperial Recruiter, and that's $27 right now, because Imperial Recruiter has gotten printed a handful of times now. That's down to like 10 bucks. Pick them up if you need them. Uh, Recruiter's only been printed once in Battlebond, but if you need creature tutors, we have Ranger of Eos and Ranger Captain of Eos. Ranger Captain uh, just got the retro foil treatment in mh2 yeah so it got a, a bunch of new copies in uh into the market so that's 11 dollars down from like 20 or 30 and then ranger of eos is uh almost a little under three dollars and they look for creatures with cmc one or less which is quite a bit more restrictive but there are some very powerful one cmc creatures like yeah. esper sentinel any of the adventure creatures, like all, all these are really cool creatures at one CMC. You can kind of build a toolbox with them. And yeah. it isn't a one-to-one comparison between them and Recruiter, but it is pretty close if you build your deck right. And both are just good cards in their own right. Yeah, for sure. I have a, a soft spot for Ranger of Eos myself because, I don't know, it just, it just feels nice, you know? Especially if you're like... Yeah, yeah, like I used to play it in, in modern in the budget Soul Sisters build where, you know, I'd play that and I'd go and get something like 
you know, a Martyr of Sands and say a Traben Inspector and like that felt pretty nice, you know. Yeah. And I was talking earlier about how, you know, sorry to bring it up again, Angelo, but uh, I, I beat you to death with um <laughs> with Lady of the Blade Reforged. Yeah. Um, so, sorry I, to bring it up slaps me across the face with it a second time. <laughs> but the thing I did want to say was that when you were playing your Extus deck yeah. and you played Ranger of Eos and you went and got Dragon Rage Chandler and Esper Sentinel and I was like, oh God, that's disgusting. <laughs> yep. That's so good. Yeah, and then someone got rid of it and then I got it back and played it again and got like Viscera Seer and some other obnoxious card. And like there are so many good one drops. Yeah, so good. Yeah, big, big, big fan of Ranger of Eos for sure. But... With that, we have come to the end of our list. This is a hefty long episode, I gotta say, Angelo. We needed Emma to keep us on course, but here we are. Yeah, Emma, if you're listening, come pick me up. I'm scared. (laughs) We need an adult. (laughs) So, before we close out, Angelo, you're doing the budget Emma job today, so you gotta read out the Q&A. Have we got any? Woo, let's go. All right, so we have a handful of Q&A from Twitter and our Discord discord bmcast so the first is from twitter it's from uh, it's our weekly tweet from ev the mage and he says with angelo stepping in it's only fair to have a budget card for edh the queen of lands titania protector of argoth is less than five dollars after her reprint with the full art version sitting at five dollars or so less yeah, so this is crazy because she was silly money like just before Modern Horizons. Yep. And then despite the fact that she was printed as a mythic in a premium set, you know, like what like when you see like Cabal Coffers and stuff, you're like, okay, yeah, so that's just gonna help stabilize the price. It's not going yep. to like tank it. I mean to be fair, it went from ninety to thirty for coffers. But but it's already back up to forty. I know, right? Yep. <laughs> like it do- it doesn't really go below a certain threshold usually. Yeah. But with Titania, it was like, was, she was like something stupid, like $30 or something. Yep. And then was like, ah, I'm a fiver now. Eh. Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> yep. Uh, I, I also saw someone uh, reply to, to EV on Twitter and they said, oh, well, I just picked a, a foil full art up for 10 bucks. That's awesome. Yeah. Like, go grab your Titanias if you want one. Uh, go bling it Definitely. out. At, perfect card for the budget bling uh, episode last week. Just pick it up throwback yeah look at that go listen to that if you haven't (laughs) all right next we have snap bolt brawl on the bmcast discord they ask what decks have you played once and vowed never to touch again scott would you like to take this first or do you want me to go uh if you have something in your head already Mm -hmm. go for it okay so one time i thought it would be fun to put modern dredge together and then mm. I realized that my brain is rice pudding, and I can't do that. All I know is draw cards, cast counter spells, and lie. And I didn't know how to do anything in the graveyard. Dredge, what's that? Why would I want to put my cards in the yard? I want to draw them. <laughs> <laughs> Strangely, I think I might actually stick myself down on Dredge as well. Now, I, I, did, I did play it more than once, I will say. I did play it more than once. I actually put the deck together... Uh, I got the pieces from trades when I was over in GP Lille uh, like the year before the pandemic or whichever and I played it maybe for about a month okay so it is absolutely stretching the definition of you know played once but I avowed to never touch it again because Dredge hates me 
like I I am I am a much more proactive player, unlike yourself. Like I I like to like you said earlier, storm off and turn sideways. Yep. And the thing is, dredge just hated me, right? Yeah. Like I would dredge five and they'd be all lands, you know. And I wouldn't <laughs> and I wouldn't have a life from the loam, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, or I would I would tap my shriekhorn and it would mill over two more shriekhorns, and you're like, are you kidding me? Like what's <laughs> going on? Yeah. And the thing is, I even had people that yeah, there were in the LGS at the time that were very, very good dredge players. And I was like, please watch my games and tell me if I'm doing anything stupid. And they were like, yeah, sure. And then they watched. And then afterwards, they were like, yeah, no, you took like 80 to 90% of the correct lines, I think. And you just got real unlucky, dude. And like, that was it. I was like, well, I'm selling this. This is trash. It just, yep. it just hates me. Sorry. Yep. Damn it, dredge. <laughs> Damn it, dredge. <laughs> that's everyone's catchphrase for modern damn it dredge <laughs> pretty much next uh the joe cheney on the bmcast discord server asks and this is multi multi-part so we're gonna take them one at a time so first question what deck did you think that you would love but instead hated so i'll, I'll go with this one real quick uh, I put together Narsa EDH deck when she first came out. I did Planeswalkers and extra combat steps. I'm like, wow, this is going to be great. And then I did it, and it was absolutely miserable, and I haven't touched Narset since. That's very fair. Yep. Uh, for me, hmm. I thought I would love Teshar. And to be fair, I did. Teshar EDH. Uh, I did, but for a whole, like, two games. And then I'm like, okay, I'm done. Like, it's literally done the same thing every single time. The redundancy isn't in, like, tutor effects or anything. It's literally the 99 all do the same thing. Yep. It's really not fun. Uh, also, again, it's a bit of a stretch on hate, but Gift Storm in Modern, it, mm. because it's a deterministic combo where you're just like, okay, cool, so on top, uh, Ritual Metamorphose Gifts, I win the game. Like, it it doesn't feel as exciting, and it doesn't have the same tension that the likes of Twiddle Storm have for me. Um, and that's what the, I... There's that's what not I really enough variance. Like. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. How do you think MTG Arena could improve the player experience? Would you like to go first? Uh, yeah, I have two very, very big monolithic points, um, I suppose. Well, you, they're not really monolithic if I've got two of them, but you'll look. You understand what I mean. <laughs> um, the first one is uh, have a better economy. Yep. Um, just, like, allow dusting of some form. Even terrible dusting. Like, you know, trade a... You can trade down one for one. Like, one Mythic wildcard trade for one rare even. Even mm. that is better than what we're currently at. But that's still bad. Like, I would expect better. The other thing would be reward people for playing games, not for winning games. So the dailies, it's like, you know, you get experience for a complete for winning a certain yeah. number of games a day or whatever. It's really frustrating if you're just not having a great day or like if you're a relatively new player or whatever and you're just not getting many wins but you're playing loads of games, it feels like it's a fruitless exercise yep. because you're just not getting those little tiny free rewards that you get for engaging with their product. You're just like, it, it, it can almost feel like a punishment. It's terrible. Yeah. Um, like I don't put money into Arena. I barely open it anymore. And that was one of the reasons in addition to the fact that I've already pumped hundreds into it and haven't really... I Like, I can't put a historic deck together. Like, that's yeah. in any way competitive. Not that you need to, but, it's like, that feels like trash. You know? Yeah, so feels really bad. They're, they're my two things. Uh, so, I, I have one thing, and it might be a little bit of a hot take. I think Arena should have uh, kind of like the Mirror Mirror event, but for limited. And have that be separate. 
uh, from the regular limited queues. So, uh, for example, anyone who has been playing AFR Draft, blue is almost undraftable unless you open a very good blue rare or mythic. A lot of the commons and uncommons aren't worth anything at all, and you should actively be avoiding blue most of the time. And yeah. so I think it would be interesting to have a separate queue that is live-balanced for limited, so developers can tweak it as it goes, because as of right now, you can draft blue if you want. Blue is almost always open, but even the even the decks that you're playing aren't that good. The blue decks mm. just can't keep up with other ones. And so if you could tweak some numbers, do some things, just to make sure that the limited format doesn't get stale on Arena, because there are more limited games being played on Arena than in paper, why like why why wouldn't you want to keep up with that? You're you're doing historic stuff right now. You're making direct to arena cards. Well, keep uh, an update on your limited format at that point because people go and they play limited once a week at FNM, but I don't know about anyone else. My roommate, he'll play, you know, or he'll draft 3 times a day. I'll draft a couple times a week. When you're having that kind of volume of people, and there is a glaring flaw in your format like that, where blue is, it, blue is has been equated to green from Battle for Zendikar, where green was undraftable in that format. That's kind of how bad blue is. And if you could just tweak some numbers, either you know uh, up some power and toughness, lower some mana costs, make, make things a little bit different, then you could live balance the format, and people wouldn't get bored and stale and sick of the format because that's where people kind of are right now. Yeah, that's fair. Seems like a an interesting one, alright. Yeah, I I don't really have much of an input, I'm afraid, because I do very little when it comes to limited. But I'll 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 trust your take on this. Appreciate it. Thank you. Um. So next one. In terms of speculation, what do you hope for slash expect from the upcoming Innistrad sets? Oh Christ! This is a big one. This is going to be a long one. No. Well, hold on. So this could be big. I could go on for like three hours and and get into nitty gritty, but I'm not going to. (laughs) What I, I, I will say one thing, because for people who know me, I have an Innistrad cube that I've worked on for the past four years. That thing is my baby. I would sell all of my EDH decks before I sold that. That is how much I love this cube. Mm-hmm. All I want, bare minimum, bare minimum, is gold cards. I want more gold cards, because my hands are tied in terms of gold cards for the cube right now, because to color balance them, I need to make sure that they have the equal amount, and there are only... From all f- previous five Innistrad sets, mm-hmm. two Simic cards. <laughs> two actual Simic cards. And that's it. There were no Simic cards in the first three Innistrad sets. There was a one in Shadows Over Innistrad, and then a Simic Emerge creature, so it's technically colorless, in Eldritch Moon. So even that's kind of <laughs> stretching it. But in order to expand the cube to 540 like I'm doing, I want more gold cards. Other colors like blue black and red black have like seven spells that i could use Mm. simic has two selesnia has three and one of them is sigarda host of herons and i'm not putting that card in the cube that card is obnoxious (laughs) but yeah that's my bare minimum expectation from these sets is more gold cards so i expected you to have a uh, an emotional response to that one and that's yeah that that (laughs) seems to to have checked out yeah for sure um for me I hope for it to be gritty. Like, 
the bottom line for me is I have technically not been around for an Innistrad set. Oh, you're a I started. I started playing in Amon Cat. Now, oh, the thing right. is, yeah, see, people forget this because I just go so hard into literally anything I'm interested in that they're like, oh, he's been playing for like 15 years. I'm like, no, it's like four. Oh. Like, yeah, uh, maybe it's a little longer than that now. I don't know. I've lost track. It's God, not important. You're, time you're, time you're doesn't matter anymore. You're such a little anymore. baby. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Stop it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I hope it's gritty, basically. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't care particularly. Like, I, like, I was around when... Um, Shadows of Verinistrad and that kind of stuff was in standard and that was the environment in which I learned so like I was well in with the Eldrazi side of things and stuff I didn't really care too much for it mm-hmm. like I know it can be very Marmite for people like they either love it or they hate it uh, I kind of just didn't really care much for it in general but like I'm assuming that there's not going to be much of that at all like it might be no. like the Zendikar rising thing where it's like oh there's little remnants of like hints towards it or whatever and that's cool that's fine yeah. um, but I want like you know Bloodborne style kind of gritty gothic horror kind of thing that's yeah. that's for, what from, I want to return to yeah from the stuff that we've seen so far from that little stream uh, this mm. past week it seems like you're going to be getting that so so strap in buckaroo you're getting what you want mm-hmm Mm-hmm. All right, and la- last part of this question, because this has all been one question, and this is directed at Scott. Why mm-hmm. do you hate Jund so much? And this is Jund in modern. <laughs> okay, well, actually, you know, I can address the Jund philosophy in general as well at the same time. So, okay, when it comes to decks, generally speaking, I am a mono or dual color player for like the majority of my gameplay. I see any deck that has three or more colors, I see as kind of a soup. It feels like it lacks direction or or the synergies and stuff. Like, they just feel lacking because it just feels like it's trying to do a little too much, you know? And now I know that Jund in Modern, for example, is very discard-focused and it's, you know, get rid of your threats and so that I can play some bigger ones and kill you with them and remove all your stuff and whatever. It's just that lack of synergy, though. Like, sure, I get that, like, you can discard something to Liliana of the Veil in order to slightly grow your goif, but that's not really synergy. That's just incidental, you know? (laughs) The kind of deck that I like... Now, this isn't to say that I hate midrange. The kind of deck that I like... And we were talking about this just before we hit record, actually, when I was talking about your Exodus deck in Commander, and that is, I like midrange decks to have synergy. Like... Mardu Pyromancer was one of my favorite decks to play against when it was still in Modern. I never played with it, just not really my style, but I really, really respected and liked that deck. It felt great to play against. It felt like every game was really close and really interesting, and you had to be aware of their synergies in order to deal with them. With Jund and stuff, it's just kind of... I play all the most expensive cards in the format and deal with it i guess you know and and even then you don't have a high enough win percentage to warrant your deck's price like come on <laughs> sorry it's truth emma's not here to dunk on merfolk so you need to dunk on jund <laughs> i mean if you if someone's got to bring jund up in the cast like i don't know what you expect uh all right so kilgore trout on the bm cast discord server asks do you have any ideas for how Watsi could make magic more affordable beyond reprint everything often? That's um, a biggie. And my my only thing, I don't know how Watsi could, but there's plenty of people uh, on Twitter who are lovely individuals who make beautiful altars. 
and uh, make beautiful proxies, and that's a way that you personally could do that. I don't know if Watsi can do anything other than print stuff, because that's kind of their MO. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I'm assuming, now I could be wrong in this, but I am, I'm going to assume that by reprint everything often, I, I'm assuming that you mean in, like, standard sets or premium sets and that kind of thing, we get some good reprints regularly so that they keep the cost down. But one thing they could do is start bringing more things in, like, say, Pioneer starter decks, you know, or modern starter decks, where they give you, like, you know, say, Green Tron, where instead of giving you, like, all of the, the Ugans and the Karns and stuff, they give you maybe, like, one Worm Coil engine and some, like, Mirror Battle Spheres and stuff, and, like, basically just sort of build, a, like, like, a Challenger deck equivalent to a modern deck, and, and stick that together, and, like, you know, put that up for, like, $60 or something like that. Like, it'll drop a bunch of costs on things. Not drastically, but if you keep doing this for different formats and that kind of thing, or like, say, championship winning decks and that sort of stuff, you know, oh, wait, hold on, rip pro magic, never mind. Um, mm. So, yeah, stuff like that, like different ways of quote unquote reprinting without it seeming like you're just reprinting for the sake of reprinting in sets and stuff. Yeah. It's well, a cool idea. I, two, two quick things on that. We did have a modern event deck once. And that was $75, and that was worth the price, but at the time, people complained about it because that was so expensive. We weren't used to the kind of expensive products that we have now. Mm. So something like that could uh, flourish in, like, today's magic economy. But, (laughs) I mean, also, and this is the reality of it, Watsi wants cards to be expensive. They are a business, and if they reprinted fetches to be $5 each, how are they going to sell their packs with rare lands in them? How are they going to sell packs with with $50 uh, Enlightened Tutors in them if those cards are $5? And so I don't think we're ever going to see them make an effort to make things so widely more affordable. I think they're going to keep those cards expensive like they already do, where they go, okay, well, we're going to put Vampiric Tutor in... Uh, I, th- I think it was Commander Legends. Do you remember Vampiric Tutor being in Commander Legends? Because I don't, but it no. was. <laughs> like, and, and and what did that do to the price? Basically nothing, but it got you to buy, buy packs. Mm-hmm. And so the thing is, they're going to be putting their effort into making new cards. They're going to balance their budget on whatever site that they use to check what prices are because you know that they look at them. Yeah. And they're going to say, okay, we can put this much stuff into a product, to like Cabal Coffers. We're not, I could be wrong, I don't think we're going to see another Cabal Coffers reprint for another year or two, because they're going to want the price to go back up, that way they can yeah. put it back in at Mythic to tank the price, but then it goes back down to 30, because that's where they want it, they want it 30, and then they go back up, then that injects value into the set, and people want to buy the packs of cards. And that is yep. the reality of it. That's the sad reality of it. That's capitalism for you. And like they are a business, they need to make money. But they're gonna they're gonna print new cards. That's what that's what their plan is going to be. They're going to print new cards like Moonblessed Cleric, which is an Enlightened Tutor analog, and they're gonna say, Well, if you wanna buy the Enlightened Tutor, go buy our packs. But if not, suck it up and deal with this you know, comparable uncommon, which is mm-hmm. fine, but you're not getting the best version of it. Yeah, that's it. And to be honest, like now, 
we're we're a budget cast. We're all for having things be affordable and available and stuff. But unless you're planning to try and spike tournaments and stuff, you don't need to go and get the best, most expensive things or whatever. Nope. Because, you know, accepting the sad reality of it is pretty much all that can really be done here. Like, yes, absolutely hound Watsy to reprint fetches and stuff. Because if you don't, they just might not, you know. Yeah. But... The thing is, you, you can still go and get, you know, for the most part, now I know we highlighted earlier that you can't get everything as a cheaper analogue, but you can get a lot. You can get an awful lot. It sucks that we can't really have affordable stuff all the time, but there's a lot we can do to help mitigate that. And, yeah, you know, highly yeah. recommend listening to more episodes. Uh, <laughs> to, anybody, <laughs> to anybody that is, is not aware of how to do that, I would definitely recommend listening to more episodes of this podcast in particular <laughs> yeah and and not only that but while watsi is a corporation uh rely on the community rely on altruists proxiers rely on yourself if you want to play with cards find a play group that will allow you to play with those cards you might not be able to go into sanctioned tournaments but you know what you can still have fun the way that you want to have fun without breaking your bank mm-hmm. so you know look into yep. those all right Servo Token on the BMCast Discord server asks, are there any multi-format budget decks and or archetypes to pick up so that way when you move those pieces around, you would get access to a Pioneer or a modern FNM deck? Stores are opening up and I'm interested in trying multiple formats out. Um, yes, there are. One of the first things that I would say is to look at the Challenger decks. We... Might be due some more soon, actually, because rotation's not too far off. They tend to do them near enough to rotation. Generally, that will give you a good baseline for a Pioneer deck, because you can just change a few things in those and just go from there. But the jump from Pioneer to Modern can be a little tricky, I think. There are some decks that can do it. For example, you could get like a mono-white taxes-ish slash aggro-ish deck for Pioneer, and take some of the cards from that and add to it to make a budget taxes deck for modern for like an extra fifty dollars or something. It's doable. It's it's hard, and not everything can do it. But there are a few, and I would say if we get the challenger deck soon, we will do an episode on those and how to upgrade them to turn them into pioneer decks and stuff as well. So keep an eye out for that. I'd say. Yeah, I don't have enough uh, experience in pioneer. Uh, to to have an opinion on this, so I, I'm I'm gonna trust your judgment on this one, bud. <laughs> the diff on the BMcast Discord server asks, "Oh no, you've forgotten your deck at home for FNM. Thankfully, <gasps> your friend has a couple of spares. They pull out two decks. One sits on a large deck box, complete with several dice trays, which they describe as quote unquote utter jank." The other is an unassuming cheap $2 deck box. You ask what's in it, and your friend replies, Oh yeah, I guess there's that. Which deck box do you pick? Uh, the cheap, crappy deck box. Absolutely. The, 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 the not utter jank. Well, we don't know that. And that's well, what's pulling me to it. Well, no, no. The So the first one's described as utter jank. Uh-huh. And then there's the, the, the random one. So you, you're foregoing utter jank. Well, it, well, the other deck could still be other jank. You don't know. Okay, well, so my thought process is the other deck could be a spiky control deck because a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, I guess there's that. So I'm like, oh, give me that unnamed one. I don't want to play jank. I want to spike a tournament. 
I mean, yeah, there's that too. Yeah, what? like <laughs> I don't, I don't know, I don't know. You see, what you see, the thing is, the thing is, right? Um, I actually, I, I guess this depends on what format it is because if mm. this was, if this was modern, I would definitely go with the unknown deck first. Same, um, because it's more likely to be a known deck than yep. the quote-unquote other jank, which means that I'll either have played it before or I have a good idea on how to use it or sideboard with it or whatever. When it comes to other jank, in modern, people try to get away with an awful lot that they probably shouldn't, but they do anyway. Yep. Um, and that's because they know their deck inside out. But if you just pick up a random other jank deck and just go, all right, how do I do that? And walk into modern, you're going to get absolutely shredded. Yep. Shredded to bits. And that's no. Um, but if this was like Pioneer or something, I don't know. You know, like technically the Underworld Breach combo deck things are still around, um, despite Underworld Breach getting banned in Pioneer. That could be described as utter jank now, technically. Mm-hmm. You know, so I would probably take that in a Pioneer setting, maybe. Yeah, I don't play bad format, so I don't know about Pioneer. But <laughs> if it was. <laughs> but. It was EDH I'd go with other jank. I'd try that out oh, yeah. for a oh, game. Yeah. But modern, no. I'm going unnamed. Going with the unnamed deck box and hoping it's a control deck. I would pro- I would go with the unnamed jack- deck box and just take the absolute roll of the dice. Because given the choice between bad and God only knows, I'm definitely going with total random. Because total <laughs> random is like, it ca- it's more chaotic. It's more fun. Let's it could go. be anything, even a boat. It could even be other jank. <laughs> All right, last question comes from Angelo on the BMCast Discord server. Uh, oh. Who is the cast's favorite recurring guest? Uh. <laughs> I, I asked that in the Discord, but I didn't put in the show notes. <laughs> I'm very tempted, by the way, to just cut to the music. <laughs> Thank you for listening to us here at the BMCast, and a special thanks to our patrons. At the Cheering Fanatic tier, we have Alejandro, Kilgore Trout 503, Max Makes Magic, The Jess Guy, The Joe Cheney, Nicholas Martin, Bradley Rose, Ian Holland, Christopher McCarthy, Tom Telford, Anton Clement, Edward Whitney, and Jamie Coyle. And at the Stonks tier, we have Anga Orr, Scott Creech, Simon Grip. Brian Madden, a nice planeswalker. Nerblin, Everett Brogan, Alex Gibson, Bo Schwartz Madsen, and Mickey Paris. Thank you all for helping to keep this podcast on the air. We can't thank you enough. If you want to support us and add your name to this list of lovely people, head on over to patreon.com forward slash the BMcast. If you have any questions, comments, or sweet brews, you can email us at budgetmagicast at gmail.com or message us on Twitter at the BMcast. We'll be back next week to give you even more bang for your buck.